Hey church, we just heard an incredible message that we believe is for you. So get ready to be encouraged, to be strengthened. This will change your life. We love you so much. Happy Sunday, Shoreline City. I am so incredibly excited about today. Why? Well, number one, you're here. Matter of fact, no, that's number two. Number one, God is here. Number two, you are here. So my expectations are through the roof about what God wants to do in and through every single one of our hearts. Again, first time guests, we are thrilled to have you with us. We hope you're feeling right at home like you're with family. Um, My wife and I right now are somewhere working on our tan. Yes, black people tan. You're welcome. But we are right now just getting replenished, getting some time away, uh, reminding our hearts and all of us that God's the one that's building this church. We were always adamant to make sure we weren't going to build a church on just personality, but build a church on the person of Jesus Christ. And that's happening. And you are here. And today God is here and your heart is going to be impacted for his cause and his glory. So I want you to have expectations that are through the roof. Okay, I've got uh, I got a title for today, and it's um, it's a little bit offensive. Okay, I just want to say that right off the bat. Okay, it's a little bit offensive, it's a little bit disrespectful. It would be something I would not want my children saying, but I'm saying it in church. Okay, here is the title of today's sermon: Settling is for suckers, not saints. Settling is for suckers, not saints. Everybody say it, to, say it with me. Say it with me. Settling is for suckers, not saints. That's right. That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I sat down uh, with, it wasn't even 100 leaders in our church. And we had all gone through some time of growing and developing together, uh, all of us being sharpened, growing in our leadership capacity, uh, trying to understand more of who Jesus is, getting even more firmly planted in this church family. And, and we ended our time together walking through what I'm about to give you. So I did not plan to share this with our whole church. But after sharing it with this group of leaders, I felt compelled, encouraged, uh, a mandate, if you will, to share this with our entire church family. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to go to the very beginning, very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. I'm going to go old school. I mean, old, old school. And I'm going to read King James Version. Who reads King James Version anymore? I don't know, but I'm about to do it, okay? And God saideth, just kidding, and God (laughs) said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Everybody say dominion. Say it again. Dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth, this is where TLC got it from, creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, and God blessed them. God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Here we have God in the very beginning saying, I want you to rule. I want you to have dominion, male and female. I'm giving you a mandate. By this time, uh, 
obviously the the world has been formed by this time man has named all the animals and God is saying to man and woman he is saying I want you to go I want you to take care of the earth I want you to take care of what I have put together I I made it but I'm giving it to you to rule to have dominion Uh, you're in charge I'm, I'm tossing you the keys if you will and I want you to handle well what I have given you it's yours it's yours. Now, obviously, of course, it belongs to God, but, but in this, we, we get that mankind, men and women alike, but both men and women have, have an ability, have, have a capacity, have a strength uh, to rule. And what happened with the fall is we took our ability, our, our call to rule, and it got twisted. It got distorted. Now, instead of ruling the earth the way God intended, we rule each other. We dominate each other. This is where abuse comes from. This is where sex trafficking comes from. This is where the oppression of people or, or, or groups or nations can come from. When you and I take the power that we've been given and it just gets twisted. It's not used now for the glory of God. It's used for the glory of self. It's happened throughout generations and all types of different people groups all around the world. But there's another reason that we see things that are beautiful and we're so drawn to them. It's because God gave us a capacity, gave us a desire, gave us an ability to, to help make things beautiful. Like he put something in our hands and he says, take care of it. That's why when you walk past a lawn that's been taken care of, you're like, hmm, That's a great lawn. I wish my lawn looked like that. That's why we like to go to the Dallas Arboretum, those of us who are in Dallas, and see these finely manicured lawns and these beautiful flowers and this beautiful landscape because someone came in and they took care of it. They took rule and dominion, but they didn't use their rule and dominion to suppress and to hurt. They used their rule and dominion to bring out the beauty, to bring out the life, to bring out the love. This is why we love artists so much. We love people that are bringing out the beauty that God put in the earth. This is a gift. It is a call, and it's actually in the DNA of every human being. That's why moms and dads, you've been called to bring out the beauty in your child. This is why we call it abuse. When a parent begins to stifle and snuff and, and push down the glory, the love, the life that was put inside that child. But parents, when you and I see our kids and they're flourishing or friends of ours, when you, see, you have a best friend or a roommate or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or a spouse and we see them step into who they've been called to be, it is a beautiful sight. It brings a life to us. We were wired for this. Now, with this being said, God had a plan for things to keep moving forward. And the fall happens, and I don't have time to get into how sin broke the world and broke our connection with God. Uh, you see sin, I see sin. It's it's all around. The, the fingerprints, the markings of it are everywhere. Uh, it was not God's idea for all this brokenness in the world. All this brokenness came as a result of decision that, that mankind made, and it, and it brought this distortion. It brought this twistedness. It brought this darkness into 
into uh, the earth. But God had a plan, had a beautiful plan fulfilled in his son, Jesus. We'll get to that a little bit later. But as we're walking through the Old Testament, we find that God has a land, has a promise for his kids. It is this promised land. And, And after the children of Israel leave Egypt, they leave their place of bondage. They leave their place of captivity. They've wandered around the desert for years and years and years, and now they are on their way. They're on the precipice of entering into the promised land, and this promised land, God says to Joshua, I gave it to you. It's yours. I gave it to you. It's yours, but you're going to have to fight for it. But I gave it to you, and it's yours, but you're going to have to fight for it. I gave it to you. Follow me here. I gave it to you, and it's yours but you're going to have to fight for it. I gave it to you and it's yours, but you're going to have to fight for it. I'm going to put this right underneath me right here. Okay, you're going to see these words. You're going to see these words. They're about to pop up right now. If you want it, come and get it. If you want it, come and get it. There are promises. Come on, church. There are promises that God has for you. There are breakthroughs that God has for you. There is life and victory that God has for you. It's already yours, but he's saying, son, daughter, it's yours, but I need you to be willing to fight for it. I know that might sound a little bit out of the ordinary, but let me see if I can break it down for you for just a second. My wife and I have these three fantastic children, okay? We love all of them. Our 13-year-old, our 7-year-old, and our 3-year-old. Our two oldest are boys, okay? Parker and Grayson. And Parker like any good big brother, at times, beats up on his little brother, okay? He does. Take a toy or something. So let's just say this scenario. It's happened a million times. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Older siblings, you know what I'm talking about as well. And those of you who have been beat up by your older siblings, you know what I'm talking about, where your older sibling takes something that belongs to you and says, hmm, I'm keeping it. It's mine. So Parker's taking one of Grayson's toys, and he's keeping it from him, and Grayson comes down to me, dad, please tell Parker to give you my toy. Now, sometimes there's whining involved. Sometimes there's a lot of disappointment. Sometimes there's a lot of tears, of course. But, but he comes down and says, hey, dad, Parker has my toy. Tell him to give it to me. And there are times I'm like, Parker, give him the toy. It's not yours. Give it back to Grayson. See, this is what we do with our prayer life. There's something, miracle, health victory, breakthrough, uh, depression broken off of us, whatever it might be. And we'll say, God, the enemy has something that belongs to me. I want it, please. And we always expect God to go, hey, life, difficulty, enemy, whomever, whatever, let it go, give it to my son and daughter. And sometimes it happens that way. And it's beautiful. It's so nice and smooth. But there are other times, come on, watch me, follow me, follow me here. There are other times I say to Grayson, Grayson, I know it's your toy. Go and get it. I tell Grayson to go find Parker and to fight him for the thing that belongs to Grayson. Why do I do that? I do that because I don't want Grayson to grow up weak. 
I want Grayson growing up knowing how to fight as well, knowing not to just take no for an answer, knowing that if it's a closed door on the outside, there's still another way to get in. I don't want him being someone that can just come to daddy and not think he has to do anything else. There are times, of course, that I just step in, but there are other times I'm saying, Grayson, I need you to man up. I know you're seven, but you've got this, and I want you to go up there, and I want you to get what belongs to you, and I I see Grayson go upstairs and he can be a little bit intimidated like you and I can sometimes be intimidated because we see, we see our victory and we can see the opportunity and we can see the generational curse broken and we can see our family going another direction and we can see our marriage becoming what God has called it to be and we can see the business getting off the ground and we can see leaving our old life and coming into a new life. We can see it in front of us, but we know there is a fight that is on the horizon And we can be a little bit intimidated, but I want you to know your father is saying to you, I have given that to you. It belongs to you. Will you please go fight for what I gave you? And I, as a dad, I oversee the fight. I oversee the whole fight. I'm watching over the whole thing. And if Parker begins to exert too much power over Grayson, I even have the power. Come on, watch this. I have the power to say, Parker. Slow down. Parker, ease up. And Parker listens to my word. I want you to know that if you're in a battle that is is too hard for you and it has not let up yet, it's because God knows there's still more on the inside of you and you still have more fight on the inside of you and he will never allow it to get to a point where it will be way too much for you. The devil is a dog on a leash and whenever God says stop, whenever God says heal, the enemy has to do that. You and I are not held captive to the darkness. You and I are not held captives to the demons of our past. You and I are not held captive to the demons of our parents or our grandparents. You and I are the free sons and daughters of God by the purchased blood of Jesus Christ made brand new because of the cross and the resurrection and the gospel is good news that has set us free. So now I'm asking you, church, I'm asking you, do you want to settle or do you want to go get what God has for you? I'm asking you, church, Is your marriage where you want it to be? Are your kids where you want them to be? Is your business where God has called it to be? Is your life where God has called it to be? And if it's not, please do not just sit around and just keep waiting for God just to intervene. You've already prayed the prayer. And right now, I think he might be saying to you, it's time to fight. It's time for you to go get what I have for you. There's more in you. There's more in you. And this is not because you're so good. (laughs) It's not because I'm so good. Because of Jesus and what he has done, the plan that God has for his children and for the people that are on the other side of your fight. It's so much bigger than you getting a house. (laughs) So much bigger than your business getting off the ground. So much bigger than just your your marriage being put back together. There are other generations on the inside of you. Because the reality is, when I'm talking to you right now, I'm actually talking to the people that are in you. 
that you don't even know are going to come from you yet. And God has plans that are generational. And if you and I can get in sync with his plans and purposes, we'll be shocked at what he'll do in us and through us as we surrender to Jesus Christ. Telling you, there's some things that are yours. And I want you to fight for them. I want you to fight in prayer on your knees. I want you to fight with your arms lifted up in worship. I want you to fight when you forgive, when you want to hold on to bitterness. I want you to fight when you release offense, when you want to hold on to it instead. I want you to fight when you want to quit, but you know you can't quit because there's lies on the other side of you. Yes. I want you to fight by constantly surrendering and day after day after day saying, not my will, Jesus, but your will be done. I want you to fight by taking up your cross and following him, no matter where it may lead, because your life and my life is not about our glory, but about his. Settling is for suckers, not saints. Okay, look with me. Look with me in uh, Luke chapter two. Okay, I'm gonna run through some verses here. I'm gonna need some audience participation as well. Luke chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. It says, today, now I'm reading for the New International Version, back to modern day English, okay? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. This is not a trick question. How many babies... We're going to be in the manger. How many? That's right. One. One baby in the manger. This baby is Jesus, the Messiah. Good news, great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. This is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one we have all been waiting for, the one who's going to make wrong right, the one who's going to take things that are upside down and put them right side up, the one that was going to take your sin and my sin upon himself and get on that old rugged cross on our behalf, that Jesus Christ. This is the one. So how many babies were in the manger? One. Jesus begins to grow. Okay. I want you to see this. He grows. Now, Luke chapter six. Verses 12 and 13. One of, these, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. So how many apostles, how many disciples, how many did he choose? 12. He chose 12 of them. So it started with how many in the manger? How many babies were in the manger? That's right, one. And now Jesus has called how many to him? That's right, 12. Doesn't stop there. Look with me now in Luke chapter 10. Read verses one through three. After this, the Lord appointed how many? How many? 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, 
Am I not sending you out? Like lambs among wolves. So, so now he has these 72. And these 72 are going to go out and they're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. They're going to be the ones that are proclaiming this good news. They're going to be the ones preparing a way. They're going to be the ones going from town to town to town. And Jesus says, hey, the, the harvest out there, there's plenty of work to be done. But just pray. Pray that there's enough workers. Pray that more workers come on the scene. Pray that more individuals are ready to, to step up. I love what Christine Kane said at our church a few weeks ago. She says, God did not call us to be co-stars. He called us to be co-laborers. Woo! I love that right there. You're not called just to have your name in lights. I'm not called to have my name in lights. I'm called to lace up my boots, if you will, and say, Jesus, my whole life belongs to you. Where are you calling me to go? So it starts with how many in the manger? How many babies in the manger? One. That's right. It was Jesus. Then it goes to how many disciples? How many did he choose? Twelve. That's right. Then it goes from there to how many? How many? It goes to 72. That's right. It goes to 72 that he designates to go out. These 72, they come back. Look at this. Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, Lord, oh my goodness, Lord, Lord Jesus, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Here, the 72 come back. They say, Jesus, we did it. We did what you called us to do. We were taking steps that we never thought we could take. Jesus, I never thought I could be in the parking lot team and people would be, be blessed by my smile. I never thought that I could be on the setup team. I never thought that I could be on the host team. I never thought that I'd be in kids and I'd love it so much and I'd be able to serve here. I never thought that I'd be behind a camera and people would be able to see uh, what I am capturing and would impact their hearts. I never thought God could use me like this. I never saw myself start Starting a company. I never saw my marriage being a, a source of hope and life and strength. I never saw it, Jesus. I never saw that I could walk with this much power. I never saw that I could leave my past behind and I could step into who you call me to be. I never saw it coming. And Jesus says, oh, yes, I see the joy that's on your face. I see it. But I don't want you just living and, and, and celebrating that all the darkness is subject to you. I want you to understand I crafted your name. I engraved your name in my hand. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I know you by name. I know you by name. I know your purpose. I know your call. I know your destiny. I know why I put you here on this earth. I want you to celebrate that you connected with me. Don't just celebrate in the power that I've given you. Celebrate in the connection that you have to me. But I don't want you to forget the power. I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to forget the power. I don't want you to forget, church, that I gave you power over all the darkness. So anytime you see darkness, understand when you walk into the room, Jesus has is already in that room, and He walks into that room with you. That you are on assignment here. And these seventy-two, they got this understanding. So now we remember it started with how many in the manger? How many babies in the manger? One. That was Jesus. Okay, started with Jesus. One, and then it goes to how many? 12, that's right. After the 12, then it goes to how many? 
72. That's right. You would think it would stop there, but settling is for suckers, not saints. It doesn't stop with 72. Then it keeps on going and going. Now you get to Acts chapter 1. Come on, follow with me. Follow with me. Acts chapter 1. The same guy who wrote Luke, his name is Luke, also wrote Acts. He wrote, this, wrote, he wrote both of these books, giving insight about Jesus and the early church and inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, to pen these words. Verses four and five, on one occasion while he was eating with them, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Skip down with me, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. One more verse in those days. I'm still in chapter one. Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about, about how many? 120. So we started at one, then we made it to 12, then we made it to 72. Now it's still growing. The body of Christ is still growing. The mandate on the church is still growing. God is still calling sons and daughters. So now we made it to 120 people that are waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem. And they're going to be witnesses all around the world. And they're waiting and they're waiting. In Acts chapter 2, there is a sound. Oh my goodness. And all these folks are filled with the Holy Spirit. And absolute revival breaks out. People are having their lives radically changed. They're hearing the the words of God, the, the praises of God, the, 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 the truth of God in their own language. It is powerful. It is amazing. And some people say, uh, these people are drunk. Okay. They're too happy. This is what happened when some of you guys walked into Shoreline city today. <laughs> I'm like, what? Okay. That person standing at the door, they were smiling way too much. They must be on something. Look, it's in the Bible. Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, and Dallas, and Antigua, and everywhere else, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. <laughs> they're not drunk. I know they're happy. Okay? I know they're smiling a lot. <laughs> Some of them even slurring the words. But they're not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days, God says. I will pour out my spirit on all people. How many people? All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. This is not just for the men. And this is not just for the women. It's for the men and the women. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both Men and women, male and female, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Skip down with me to verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about how many? 3,000 were added to their number that day. Okay, we started with how many? One. Then we went to 12. Then we went to, come on church. 72. Then we went to 
120. And now we see on this day of Pentecost, this celebration, this massive Jewish celebration where the Holy Spirit fills the sons and daughters of God. We see how many people get baptized and give their hearts over to Jesus. How many? Come on, how many? 3,000. 3,000. 3,000 people in one day. You know what else about the book of Acts? I encourage you to read it because when you get to the end of the book, there is no goodbye. There is no farewell. There is no, oh, the book is done. Why? Some theologians say it's because the book is still going on because Acts is the birth of the church and it went from one and then it went to 12, then it went to 72, then it went to 120, then it went to 3,000 and then the church is still growing and growing and growing and now you and I are a part of this move of God because we are not settling yet. There's still ground for us to take promises for us to receive. There are still people that do not know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, have not heard the good news that you and I have heard and we now have the call, the mandate, the opportunity, the privilege of a lifetime, not just to work at church, but to be the church, not to go to church, but to be the church and to be the church in every single arena. I'm talking athletics. I'm talking I'm talking politics. I'm talking in every business arena. I'm talking in medicine. I'm talking in education. I'm talking in the arts. I'm talking from the White House all the way to the poor house. I'm talking no matter where you find yourself. You and I have been called to now be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are not settling here. God has more ground for you and I to take. Not for our glory. But for his, put it quite simply, I'm going to say it like this. It's your turn to lead. It's your turn. It's your turn to lead. Okay? It's your turn. Right now, get off your hands. Stop second-guessing yourself so much. Stop doubting yourself so much. Do you know how many lies I have to still, still deal with in my own head? How many lies I have, how many things I hear, Earl, that's not good. Earl, you don't need to do that. Earl, they're going to uninvite you. Earl, that's, that's raggedy. Earl, that's terrible. Earl, Earl, Earl. I got, I have lies just like you have lies, but you know what? Forget the lies. Okay. Matter of fact, what you need to do and what you and I have to do is we have to believe the truth of God's word over the lies. And since God called you and yes, there are giants and yes, there are problems. And yes, there are big brothers, if you will, that can have our stuff. You are a son and a daughter of God called for such a time as this. I want you to wake up to the potential and the call that you have in Christ Jesus, your Lord, and begin to move forward. You're the leaders of our next campus. You are. You're the leaders. Okay? You're the ones I'm looking to. Stop looking to your left and right. I'm talking to you. Oh, God can't use me because, and fill in the blank. I'm too rich. I'm too poor. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm old. I'm young. I'm a, whatever. Excuses, 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 excuses. I just want to put the seal of God, call of God over your life, the plan of purposes of God over your life. Say it's your turn to lead. Settling is for suckers, not for saints. You're a saint. 
I tried to link here the beginning when God tells him to have dominion over the earth with Jesus giving his disciples, you and I, authority and dominion to move forward into the darkness. I'm trying to link, trying to paint a picture that God didn't stop way back in the garden with his plan for redemption. And God didn't start, didn't stop in that manger with his plan for redemption. And he is still carrying it on to fruition right now. And you and I are in the midst of it. We're a part of it. Shortcomings and brokenness and all. We're called to be a part of it. Would you surrender, church? Would you surrender to what he wants to do and where he's trying to take us? Because it's not for our glory. It's all for his. If you wouldn't mind, bow your head for just a moment. I want you to bow your head right now. You can close your eyes if you want to. If you're here under the sound of my voice and you've never given your heart and your life to Christ, you've never made him number one, you've never made him first in your life, but you're here and you've heard this message and you know the grace of God is pulling on your heart right now. And it's time for you to surrender or maybe re-surrender your life to serving Jesus. I'm not asking, do you have a Bible? I'm not asking, were you baptized at some point in time in your life? I'm asking, is your life surrendered to Jesus? Is he first in your life? So if Jesus has never been made first in your life, or at one point in time, he was first, but you slipped away. You've gone another direction. You're on your own path, doing your own thing. You're in the driver's seat of your car. You're in charge of your life. And you're saying, you don't want that anymore. You're ready today to surrender or resurrender your life to serving Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do something, to do something simple, but something incredibly bold. Literally on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart and I want to give my life to Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Just put it up in the air. Yep. Right now. Right now. Do it right now. Respond to his grace. Respond to his grace. It's not emotionalism right now. It's his presence drawing you closer. It's him saying, son, daughter, I want you home. I want your heart. I want your life. Just lift your hand up right now. I'm going to ask every person in this place, do me a favor. Every person, put your hand over your heart if you wouldn't mind. And everyone repeat this prayer after me out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes, and today, I give you my heart, I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's lift our heads up and clap our hands with a ridiculous amount of enthusiasm for what God did today, the hearts that have been surrendered to him. Come on, church, let's clap our hands. I want to turn it over to our amazing leaders and pastors and MCs now. Love you so much, church. I'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, church. If you gave your life to Jesus today, we'd love to know you, meet you, and hear your story. So be sure to email your information to info at shorelinecity.church so we can get you the tools you need to grow in Christ and impact this world. Love you, church.